there and thank you for tuning into the Rock Guys podcast. We are on episode 33, 33, like three times 11, and I don't know. Anyway, on this episode of the Rock Guys podcast, we are covering Skid Row, which was an American metal band formed in 1986, New Jersey, by bassist Rachel Boland and guitarist Dave Sabo. The duo placed an ad in a local paper and hired on drummer Rob Afuso and guitarist Scott Hill. The band's original singer, Matt Fallon, was replaced in a short amount of time by vocalist Sebastian Bach. Skid Row has sold over 20 million albums worldwide through the release of five studio albums, four EPs, one compilation album, ten singles, four video albums, and nine music videos. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited about this episode. So stay tuned for the coverage on Skid Row, right here, right now. Get your rock fix. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. Hey there, and thank you for sticking around for another episode of the Rock Guys Podcast. This time, episode 33 featuring Skid Row. Tom's River, New Jersey, the birthplace of a bassist by the name of Rachel Bolin, whose birth name is actually James Richard Southworth. Just curious where the Rachel came from. And the Bolin. And with a guitarist by the name of Dave Sabo. He would later add the snake. So it's Dave the Snake Sabo. After answering an ad in the local paper, Skid Row hired on guitarist Scotty Hill and drummer Rob Afuso. By 1987, Sebastian Bach had been brought on to perform for vocals, replacing their former singer Matt Fallon. The band started playing clubs throughout the eastern U.S., gaining their momentum to stardom. Dave Sabo was teenage friends with John Bond, you know John Bond, and they made a pact to help each other out if one of them made it. And John Bond's manager, Doc McGee, signed them onto Atlantic Records in 1988. In January of 89, the band released their debut self-titled album, uh, Skid Row. And the album took off with an explosive success that brought the album to platinum status. Not once, not twice, hell, not even three times, it went to five times platinum. The success of the album was assisted by the success of their singles, 18 in Life and I Remember You. Their supporting tours saw them opening for Bon Jovi during their New Jersey tour. The band visited the UK for the first time ever playing venues alongside Bon Jovi. One particular festival, the Moscow Music Peace Festival, was actually arranged by their manager, Don McGee, to avoid him getting thrown in jail on drug trafficking charges. Skid Row returned to the UK in November to open for Motley Crue on their Dr. Feelgood tour. Returning to North America, the band toured alongside Aerosmith for their Pump Tour. In December the 27th, to be more precise, hey, that's my birthday. Sebastian, while performing on stage, got hit by a bottle thrown from the crowd. In a rage, he threw the bottle back, but instead of hitting the guy that threw it, it struck an innocent female bystander. So what does he do? He jumps into the crowd to attack the guy, 
that threw the ball. The whole incident was caught on their tour video, Oh Say Can You Scream, and can be seen obviously on YouTube. And not long after that, on another tour, Sebastian was seen wearing a very controversial shirt, which in retrospect, he very much regretted. Slave to the Grind, Skid Row's second studio album was released in June of 1991 and became another great success, debuting at number one on the Billboard 200 and reaching two times platinum. Their supporting tour saw them opening for GNR in 91 and appearing at the Monsters of Rock Festival in 92. Most of their remaining tour had them opening for Pantera and Soundgarden. When asked if they could open for them, new upcoming band Nirvana declined on the basis of the t-shirt incident, saying that Skid Row is too homophobic. After their touring had completed, the band released a covers EP, Beside Ourselves, in September of 1992. In 93, Skid Row took a break when their manager, Doc, advised them on letting the grunge wave settle a bit. By 1994, Skid Row was Back in the studios, this time with producer Bob Rock, the same producer that had produced Metallica's Black Album. Subhuman Race, the band's third studio album, was released in March of 1995 and reached number 35 on the Billboard 200. Not as high charting as the previous releases, but still not friggin' bad. The UK album's chart saw it peaking at number 8. All Music rated it a 4 out of 5, saying it was their strongest and most vicious record to date. Following their supporting tour, the band continued playing smaller venues, and their music videos rarely got played on MTV due to the influence of grunge. In late 96, Sebastian got into an argument with Snake over the cancelling of an already scheduled appearance to open for Kiss, saying that they were too big to open for them. And that really upset Sebastian, as Kiss was his favorite band growing up. The remaining members continued on as Ozone Monday, with vocalist Sean McCabe, and in 98 and 99, opened for Kiss and Motley Crue. Following that tour... Skid Row reformed with singer Johnny Solinger and drummer Phil Varone, who was formerly of Saigon Kick, and opened for Kiss on their farewell tour. Yeah. Thick Skin, Skid Row's fourth studio album, was released in 2003 and featured a dramatic turn with their music style, giving them an even more modern sound. The loss of Sebastian to the group crippled their popularity, but the music wasn't horrible. But it appeared to be a different skid row, especially in the eyes of the devoted Sebastian Bach followers. Alex Henderson of All Music proclaimed it as surprisingly good, giving it a 3 out of 5. In 2004, drummer Phil Verone left and was replaced by Dave Gara. In October of 2006, Skid Row's fifth studio album, Revolutions Per Minute, was released. This album featured the return of producer Michael Wagner, or is it Wagner? I don't know. The album had some negative reviews, but honestly, listening to the album, I think they may have just been a few years too early. The grunge and pop rock influences are visible in just the first two tracks. Then on track three... Like, what What the fuck is this? A hillbilly country chant? The album's a mess, but it does have something for everyone in it. In 2008, Skid Row performed on The Motley Cruise alongside Crew, Rat, and Slaughter. And at the beginning of 2010, Dave Guerra left and Rob Hammersmith came on for drums. 
In February of 2013, Skid Row signed with Megaforce Records and announced that the band will be trickle-releasing their new material in the form of three separate EPs, released over the course of six years. United World Rebellion, Chapter 1, was released in April of 2013. Rise of the Damnation Army was released in August of 2014, and the final chapter, a full-length release, was slated for a 2019 release. But in January of 2019, the record label, without the band's input, released a deluxe edition of their self-titled album and released a recording of their 1989 performance at the Marquee in California. By the summer of that year, Sebastian attempted to reunite the original members by joining them on tour. Dave Snake's Sabo declined almost immediately while former drummer Rob Afuso subsequently said that he'd join Sebastian for the tour. Who knows where that will lead? In June of this year, 2021, former singer Johnny Solinger passed away from liver failure, the most predictable death of a rock star. The band's discography started off back in 89 with their debut album, Skid Row. In 91, they put out Slave to the Grind. In 95, it was Subhuman Race. In 2003, they released Thick Skin. And in 2006, Revolutions Per Minute. Still waiting for that full release to come out. I think it might be good. The current members are Dave the Snake Sabo on guitars, Rachel Bolin on bass, Scotty Hill on guitars. Man, that's Scotty Hill. He's been with it the whole ride through. Rob Hammersmith for drums, ZP Zirt on vocals. So that is my coverage on Skid Row, but there is so much more to it. But now it's time for Rock Album. Rock Album. Hey there, and thank you for sticking around for this episode of Rock Album, where we're covering Skid Row's Slave to the Grind. The band's debut album, rushing out of the gates in January of 1989 and peaking at number 6 on the Billboard 200 and reaching 5 times platinum. The album produced some very successful singles that became smash hits due to their constant MTV airplay. The band's guitarist and founder Snake Sabo is a good friend of John Bond. They met when they were 11. He lived up the street. John Bond pointed his manager towards Skid Row. The rest just started unfolding. The band's supporting tour saw them opening for Bon Jovi, of course, during their Slippery When Wet tour. All Music rated this one a 4 out of 5 while still calling it a typical pop metal fluff. Whatever that means. While still saying the songwriting is a masterpiece and Seb really delivers the nasty attitude in the vocals. Their supporting tour saw them appearing at the Moscow Music Peace Festival in August of 89. The event was organized by the band's manager, Doc McGee, almost as a condition to his release for charges against drug smuggling. Man, those were the days. The band's following tour saw them opening for Bon Jovi and Aerosmith. During a concert in December of 1990 in Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, a fan threw a bottle on stage, not much of a fan, enraging Sebastian to throw it back, but in doing so in a fit of rage, he ended up striking a 17-year-old girl in the face. 
Although very apologetic about the incident, what's done is done and what's paid out is paid out. He is still very sorry for that event to this day. At a later concert, Sebastian wore a very controversial shirt that he says he threw on after a fan threw it up on stage. The shirt monikered the pest repellent ad, Raid Kills Bugs Dead, but with different wording than I care to mention, even though I have my settings on explicit. This one act gave him a lot of grief in life afterwards, with being refused by Nirvana to open up for them to strangers approaching him and only referencing that incident. Either way, Sebastian stole the show each and every time, almost making the other members jealous. Well, he was a frontman. The track listing for Skid Row was 1. Big Guns, 2. Sweet Little Sister, 3. Can't Stand the Heartache, 4. Peace of Me, 5. 18 in Life, 6. Rattlesnake Shake, 7. Youth Gone Wild, 8. Here I Am, 9. Making a Mess, 10. I Remember You, 11. Midnight Tornado. The MAB members consisted of Sebastian Bach on vocals, Dave Snake Sabo on guitars, Scotty Hill on guitar, Rachel Bolin on bass, and Rob Afuso on drums. So that's the album I have covered for Rock Album, but if you think the other one was better, send me a message. Maybe I'll throw in a special segment and cover that. But if you haven't gotten enough, the show's not over. Stay tuned for Rock Trivia. Rock, 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 rock. Trivia. Here, here, rock trivia. Hey there, and thank you for sticking around to tickle your brain with a little bit of rock trivia on the Rock Guys podcast covering Skid Row. Now, you know my questions are pretty damn hard. Better have your thinking, Tukon. What was founding member Dave Sabo's middle name? His nickname, if you will. Snake! That's right! Or the snake! One of the snakes! Either way's good! Good job! Sorry, no prizes, but maybe some knowledge. No, we've gone beyond that door. Anyway, if you're not ready to go yet, you could stay tuned, because I think I hear Bobby! Bobby's World Hey there, and thank you for sticking around all the way to the end to Bobby's World, where all your dreams become a green screen background. And on this episode of Bobby's World, we are covering Youth Gone Wild, the debut single appearing on the seventh track from Skid Row's debut album. The music video received significant airplay, but the single only reached number 99 on the top 100. But it reached number 27 on the mainstream rock tracks and number 42 on the UK singles chart. The music video featured the boys performing in an industrialized setting, rocking out while the fans break down the barrier that keeps them from storming the stage. Originally, I was going to cover I Remember You. The vocals are definitely worth a listen, but I don't like to cover ballads. Anyway.
this concludes another episode of the Rock Guys podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, and tune in next episode for, well, it's going to be a surprise again. (laughs) Please like, rate, share, comment, and subscribe. Help me get back to your ear holes. Stay safe and stay unsober.